Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Friday, December the 24th, 2021. It is currently 4.41 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church located right here in Ovalo, Texas. And even though it's December the 24th, it's Christmas Eve here in West Texas, it is currently like 84 degrees outside. I think when I was driving here, it said 86 degrees. I think it may have dropped dropped down out of 84, 83 degrees, but it is a warm, it almost feels muggy outside here in West Texas. It doesn't have any feeling at all of being Christmas Eve. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like Christmas Eve. It doesn't feel like Christmas time. It, I mean, literally, none of those feelings are present, which is going to be very important to the sermon I preach tonight for our, well, it's supposed to be our Christmas Day service, but it's now going to become our Christmas Eve evening service because um, a lot of the people in the church have to work tomorrow. So, um, well, we're going we're gonna to do the service tonight. And so at around 6.30 p.m. Central Time under the Theology Central podcast, I'll be live streaming the sermon, which will go very much with this idea. It doesn't feel like Christmas. I'm going to go with that. It will be, uh, we'll be looking at Luke chapter two. I'll be using Luke chapter two, kind of going along with our Bible study exercise that we've been doing this week. So if you want to tune into that, that's great. 6.30 p.m. Theology Central, tune in doesn't feel like Christmas. And uh, well, I, I'm going to use that to try to talk about a lot of things that I think will be very important. So that's what's happening tomorrow, Christmas Day. I will be here at the church. It will be an empty sanctuary, but I will be here. I'll have the microphone on and I'll be, I don't know what we're going to be talking about. We'll talk about whatever I want to talk about tomorrow, but I'll do a couple of hours of live broadcasting on Christmas because, well, where else should I be on Christmas than, well, at church talking about the things of God. So that makes sense to me. So that's where I will be. And if you can tune in live, great. If you cannot, well, obviously all of that will be waiting for you when you get back to an ability to start listening and then you can catch up or you'll look and go, I'll never catch up. And so maybe nothing I say tomorrow will be listened to by anyone, but that's okay because I will still be in church on Christmas Day and hopefully uh, that will, hopefully someone will benefit from it. But right now I'm here in the empty sanctuary. It won't be long. Well, it's still going to be a little while. People will be pulling up here in the parking lot and walking through these doors for our evening service tonight. So that means I doesn't I don't have a lot of time, but as I've been sitting here in the empty sanctuary, I've been visiting with an old friend, and that old friend is Thomas Akempis. Yes, it's time to turn once again to the Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis. We've been working through this book for a very long time. And I thought I would spend a few minutes. I think what I'm going to be, do here is just really kind of introduce this chapter. He, he, he starts this chapter with kind of a very just dogmatic statement. And I think it's one that should give us much to think about and meditate on. Maybe I can just present this to you. And maybe depending on the people 
around your table, maybe this evening or tomorrow, or who will be hanging out in your house. Maybe if you've got people who are very spiritually minded and love to have, you know, uh, in-depth spiritual conversations, maybe you can uh, use this to have a very interesting conversation, and then you can report back to me what everyone had to say in everyone's perspective, all right? But The Imitation of Christ, Thomas Akempis, we're in book two. We've made it to chapter four. Book two, chapter four. Remember, The Imitation of Christ is broken down into four books. We are in book two. We've made it to chapter four, and this chapter is entitled, so here's Thomas Akempis, all right? When I say, he, um, obviously he's not here because, well, he lived over 500 years ago, but he's here in his, the words that he wrote in this book, that has been that has had a profound impact on many people from way different theological streams, which just makes the book to me fascinating from a historical perspective. But we've been working through it. We don't agree with everything Thomas Kempis had to say. We don't agree with all of his theology, but it's just been interesting to 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 read his thoughts and really think about them. So, are you ready? Just the title here should give you much to consider and to ponder. You ready? Here's chapter four, Imitation of Christ, book two. The title, the title of this chapter is Simplicity and Purity. Simplicity and Purity. Now let's forget simplicity for a moment. Let's forget that. We hear the word purity, and we know that the word, the concept of purity has been a major concept within Christianity for a very, very long time. There's been much discussion about the rise and the impact of purity culture. There were purity rings. There was an entire industry built around the purity culture. I think we can all say that it's been very much emphasized within Christianity for a very long time that you must be Pure and now purity in that those cases tend to be reduced to. I think we can. I think I think we can all agree here. Purity. When we hear the term purity, it almost always gets placed in the context of sex. Purity almost always like you've got to be pure, and it refers to your sexuality when you engage in sex, who you engage with sex with. It's all about your sexual life. The whole purity culture was very much about. Remaining pure, being pure, being pure, being pure, being pure, being pure. And it basically came down to this. Don't engage in sex before marriage. Once you're married, once you are married, don't look at pornography. Do not have any sexual relations with anyone you're not married to. And that became the emphasis of purity. Now, you can say it was a good thing. You can say it was a bad thing. There's people who condemn purity culture. There's people who praise it. There's, there's been a lot of, a lot of people would say there were casualties of purity culture. I'm going to make a claim here. You can tell me where you, whether you agree or disagree. I think maybe one of the problems of purity culture is it reduced the concept of purity to simply sex. Now, some of you say, no, 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 no. They talked about other things. I'm not saying other things were never mentioned. I just think that that was, the emphasis was just on that. And I think the concept of purity goes way beyond simply not having sex when you're not supposed to, with who you're not supposed to, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think 
There is more to purity. In fact, let's just do this. I didn't even think about it. Let's just do this. I'm just going to grab uh, my iPad here. I'm just going to open up Google. Let's just do this. And I'm just going to type in the word purity. I'm just going to... Um, purity. Freedom from adulteration or contamination. Right? Freedom from immorality, especially of a sexual nature. Now, they do emphasize the sexual nature there, but just freedom, it's from contamination. It's freedom from immorality. Uh, The uh, Merriam-Webster goes on to say, the quality or state of being pure. I think we have to see, and I think it's very important from a theological perspective, that we see purity as just just stay with me and see if you agree with this. That purity refers to, I think, three areas. Purity of mind, that's purity in our thinking. And that means, and listen, listen, listen to what I'm about to say. That's not just, oh, you have lustful thoughts. Again, we always just, we hear the word purity and we immediately just, it's like, we hear purity and we, we travel at a, a million miles per second right to the subject of sex. And I don't know why we do that, but purity of thought is that there, there's no, in a sense, contamination in our thinking. Our thinking, any contamination to our thinking where our thinking is no longer biblical mean, is meaning that we've lost purity of thought. It's not just Oh, you had lustful thoughts. It can be about anything. How you think about people, how you think about a situation. Any thoughts that are not, listen, think of it this way. Any of your thinking that is not, no longer in conformity to scripture is no longer pure thinking. Purity of thought would mean no contamination in your thinking that deviates because the standard is God's word. The standard is God's way, his will, his word. Anytime my thinking deviates from it, no matter in what area, it can be how I think about a social issue, how I think about um, other people. How I, it, it doesn't matter. Look, there's some people who may never struggle with impure thoughts as far as sexuality, as far as sex is concerned. They, they may never struggle with, with uh, you know, lustful thinking. They may, they may appear to be pure that way, and they may even pat themselves on the back and go, man, I've got purity of thinking. I've got, look at that, look at that. But their thinking may be so corrupted in so many other areas. How maybe how they think about so many different issues, and they, but they won't ever feel the same guilt and shame as someone who gets quote unquote busted for impure thinking when it comes to sex. Like if you have impure thinking about sex, it's almost like crucify him. Impure thinking about a hundred other issues, eh, no big deal. We, we need a better understanding of purity. So purity involves our thinking. It involves our heart. And that means our motivations, our desires, our emotions, that, so our thinking and our heart, our, our, our motivations and our emotions, any devi- anytime our emotions and our motivations deviate from scripture, 
they're no longer in conformity to scripture, then that is a lack of purity. It's just not about a desire for sex. It's not just that. I think it's one of the major issues where the church in many cases messed up. If you take many kids who were raised in the church, I can't speak for now, but in, in many certain periods of time, Many of the kids kids would have always thought of purity in, in, re, in its relation to sex and not to any other area. And it's like, well, no, there's so much more to purity than that. It's not just that. So it's purity in thinking. It's purity in the heart, or we could think of it this way, purity of the mind, purity of the heart. And then I'm going to say purity of the body. And what do I mean by that? Purity in action. Purity relates to what you think, to what you desire, to what you feel, and what you do. Some people may have great purity in what they do or don't do with their body, but their mind may be a mess. They may have some purity in thinking, but their heart, their emotions is a mess. There, there, there's three areas, and listen, there's always going to be a level of impurity in all of us. I just, I just think, I know we didn't, we haven't gotten very far. I know, I know. I'm like, hey, well, I'm just going to introduce this, but I, I just think purity, we have to see it beyond just sex. We, we've got to see it more than that. We have to. And I, I think we do ourselves a, very, a grave disservice. And I think it gives some people the chance to act like they're self-righteous. Oh, look, I've never had any issues in regards to sex. But look at all the impurity in your thinking and your emotions and your motivations. There, there's plenty of impurity in your life. So before we run around pointing out the impurity in everyone else's life, we want to take a minute and test our own life to see how much impurity manifests itself. Because I bet you if you do a little test, you're going to find out there's a lot of impurity. And we can't just raise a new generation of young people who think purity simply relates to those simple things. All right? I mean, it's just to sex. It's more than that. Purity is any lack. Purity is when you're in conformity to God's will, God's way, God's word. Any lack of conformity to God's will, God's word, is impurity, and therefore we are all in a state of impurity in some way, shape, or form, either in your thinking, in your emotions, or in your actions. You know that, I know that, all right? So let's go back to the book. There's purity, right? So I think we need to correct that. Now, he starts off with simplicity. Simplicity and purity. So now purity, again, everybody's going to go to, I think, start thinking immediately about the wrong thing. So we have to correct our understanding of purity. But do we even give much thought about simplicity? Have you, have you in your spiritual journals, do you have, I need to work on simplicity. Simplicity is a very important thing in my Christian walk. How many sermons have you heard on simplicity? What is simplicity? Now, we'll have to see what Thomas Akempis has to do with these terms. But if we look up simplicity, we read this. Simplicity. The state of being simple uncomplicated or uncompounded. So the idea of being simple, 
uncomplicated, uncompounded. Does that, does that help a lot? Uh, they go on. Another, a lack of subtlety, innocence, being naive. Right? That, so, so we don't want we want to be uncomplicated. We, we simplicity means a lack of being subtle, being innocent, being naive. Naive doesn't sound like something that we would be like is a, is a good thing, is it? Another folly or silliness. Well, we know definitely the Bible would condemn that kind of simplicity, right? The, the, the simple, the one who is foolish, the one who is silly, the one who is simple-minded, that is considered necessarily a negative thing. So it can't be that kind of simplicity. They go on to say, freedom from pretense or guile. Freedom from pretense or simplicity means you're not putting on any pretense. There's no deceit. There's no guile. You're, you're just being very simple and straightforward. All right, that makes a little bit of sense, all right? So in your Christian life, you need purity, but we need purity correctly understood. But we also have to understand this concept of simplicity. Uh, they go on to say directness of expression, clarity, restraint, all right? The idea of restraining yourself, not in a sense restraining yourself and not decorating yourself or covering yourself in, 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 a, in, a, in a showy way, right? You restrain yourself from, from putting forth a, a display, a show. You're, you're, you're simple. You are straightforward. There's no pretense. There's no pretend. All right, that, that kind of subtlety makes a little bit of sense. Um, uncomplicated, I don't know exactly where that would, would come into play. So simplicity, there's a number of ideas. We'll have to see if, if Thomas Akempis is going to explain this. Now, remember, one of the frustrating things about the, the, the writing of Thomas Akempis at times is he writes very much like a stream of consciousness. He'll throw out an idea, and sometimes he doesn't really, in my estimation, really explain the idea or really work it out. He, like, gives you the bones. He doesn't really put the flesh on it, and you're kind of just left there going, okay, what do I do with this? So I wanted to just start with these two terms and kind of try to flesh them out a little bit. So in your spiritual life, have you had wrong thinking about purity? And have you ever considered the importance of simplicity in your spiritual life? Let's see what Thomas Akempis has to say. Here we go. First paragraph. By two wings, a man is lifted up from things earthly. So there are two wings that will lift you up and rise you above the earthly thing. Remember the earthly thing, love not the things in the world, right? All that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes and the pride of life. We are not to love the world. Friendship of, with the world is enmity with God. So we are not to be worldly. We're not to be in, impacted by worldliness. We are not to have worldly thinking or a worldly philosophy. So we want to rise above it. We're in it, but we're not supposed to be of it. Thomas Akempis says there are two wings that will lift you up from things earthly. And these are, I think you know what there are. They are simplicity 
and purity. Now, immediately we realize, wow, Thomas Akempis puts much emphasis then on these two things. If you want to rise above, if you want these wings to lift you up, if you want to be lifted up from the things of the earth, you need simplicity and purity. Now, I think we have to have a correct understanding of purity. I think I can understand that. That makes some sense. Purity would make sense. But the simplicity is the thing I'm still trying to ponder and and don't know if I've completely grasped yet. Let's see what he does with this. Simplicity ought to be in our intention. Purity in our affection. All right, let's stop right here. Let's go backwards. Purity and our affection. Now, let's just look up the word affection. Let's do this. Let's look up the word affection. I'm going to go back here on my iPad. Here we go. Let's go to affection. Because I think this one we can probably uh, uh, understand a little bit. All right. Affection. A gentle feeling or fondness or liking. What do you have a, a, a gentle feeling for? What are you fond of? What do you like? I'm going to go to uh, Miriam Webster. Affection, a feeling of liking and caring for someone or something. Tender attachment. All right? So it's a feeling. It's an emotion where you like, where you care for something, where you have an attachment to something. In your affections, if you were to like that, what are those things you love? What are those things you are attached to? What are those things? Now, you've got to be honest here, right? Because if, I w- if we were sitting in, a, in, in a, like a small group Bible study, give me those things that you really have a love for, that you really have an attachment to. And people may say, my family, my kids, or, you know, you know like they would, you know, Jesus, you know, just, just whatever. But no one's going to say, well, I really have an affection for, I don't know, pornography or nobody's going to, nobody's going to drop any of that information there, which then just makes the whole exercise an exercise in futility, because if no one's going to be honest, you're not going to get anywhere, but you need to have a deep rooted discussion with yourself, a deep, honest conversation with yourself. What are your affections? And are those affections Pure. Is there a purity in your affections? What Thomas Akempis is saying, if you want to rise above the things of the earth, then your affections must be, as he as he puts it here, purity in your affection. If I say infection, I apologize. Affection, not infection, affection. Okay, I'm pretty sure I said it correctly. And all of a sudden I just thought if I said that incorrectly, people are going to be all confused. All right, so, and your affections... Is there purity? If you are, if there's, if purity is the guiding principle, then your affections would not be contrary or contradict that purity. They would be in line with it. So in other words, you can be able to look at your affections and go, well, see, I've got purity there. Or you can look at your affection and go, oh, I'm in a lot of trouble. 
right? So there's the purity concept, okay? He's, he's attaching it to your affections, but subtlety or simplicity, I should say, he connects it to our intention. We need simplicity in our intention. So let's, let's, since we're doing this in this episode, let's just, let's just continue to go along with this. Let's look up intention. Let's look up intention. All right. Intention, a thing intended, an aim or plan. I'm going to go to Merriam-Webster. The thing that you plan to do or achieve, an aim or purpose. So you need purity in your affections. You need simplicity in what your aim and purpose is. Now, just stay with me. I, I cannot say this is where Thomas Kempis is going to go, but I want to throw out a thought here, okay? So, purity in our affection, that makes sense. Our, what, we, what we are drawn to, what we have an affection for, what we have a, a, a connection to, right? That, that must, our purity must drive that or we will find ourselves being, you know, having an affection for being connected to something that isn't pure. A lack of purity means a lack of purity in your affections. And then those affections will be things that you begin to have emotion for, you care for, you love, which will pull your pull you further and further away from God and keep you firmly planted here on earth. So you have to have purity in a sense to rise you above all of those earthly things calling for your affection. Remember, when you you live here on this earth and 24 hours a day, seven days a week, the world is screaming at you, give me your affection, give me your love, give me your attention, give me your emotion, give me your time. Right here, right here, right here, right here, right here. It just, it never stops. You have to just, no, it's constant. So if, if purity is not there, then you're going to give your affection to things that are not pure, which will then keep you, you, in a sense, grounded on the earth and you become more and more worldly and it will eat away and then it will, it will corrupt more and more. So there's, your, there's, there's purity and affection. But when it comes to your intention, your aim, your purpose, there must be simplicity. Now, why must there be simplicity in your intentions? Well, as a Christian, your intention, your aim, your purpose, what you intend to do, in a sense, should be simple. It should not be compounded. It should not be complicated. It should be very simple and very straightforward. My intention, my aim is to glorify God. My intention and my aim is to tell everyone I can about Christ and to disciple as many people as possible. My aim is to be equipped so that I can do the work of ministry. My aim is to pray without ceasing. In other words, your aims, your intention, your purpose, your intentions should be very simple and straightforward. There should be nothing complicated. It should not be like there's so many. It should be very straightforward in what your true intentions are. So in your Christian life, you must have purity and affection, simplicity and intention. Purity in your affections, simplicity in your intentions. 
I hope you see, I, I, I cannot speak for everyone else, but every time I read anything from the imitation of Christ, it's just like, give me a notebook and just start writing. Because there is so much there to ponder and, and to think about. I want to at least finish this paragraph, all right? Here we go. By two wings, a man is lifted up from things earthly, namely by simplicity and purity. Simplicity ought to be in our intention, purity in our affection. Simplicity tends towards God. Purity apprehends and tastes him. Let's take that apart. If you have simplicity in your intentions, you're going to move towards God because your intentions are not going to be convoluted and complicated. It's going to be straightforward. Your intention is God. Your intention is the kingdom of God. Your intention is the advancement of the kingdom of God. Your intention is the glory of God. So if you have simplicity in your intentions, it's going to move towards God. And if you have purity in your affections, your purity will apprehend and taste him because you're pure you're 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 only going to have an affection for things that are of God so you will then apprehend him your intention is God and then you will then apprehend taste him because that's where your affections will, will be your affections will be found towards God now i'm going to stop right there Simplicity in your intentions, purity in your affections. Now, we're, we're in December the 24th. What did 2021 look like in your intentions and your affections? Did your intentions and affections demonstrate simplicity and purity? Now, I don't say that so that you can just beat yourself up and beat yourself up and beat yourself up. I say that, well, one, first of all, you can confess it. And remember, our relationship is based off what Christ has done for us. So you put your confidence and hope in Christ, not in what you can or cannot do. But when you look towards 2022, what can you do to develop a simplicity in your intentions and a purity in your affections? What do you think can be done to amend your complicated intentions and your impurity and your affections. Now, I'm going to stop right there. Oh, there's so much more we could talk about. But I think that's a good introduction, a good introduction. I hope, as always, whenever I do any work in the Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis, I always want it to spark discussion and conversation. Now, even if I never hear from you, even if you never never discuss it with me, I hope it sparks conversation and discussion with the people you know. Even if it's just a conversation and discussion with yourself, you're just having the discussion with yourself, then by all means, then then this is a success. If you if you give me that feedback, then at least I know that there was some good conversation and discussion. Even if you don't share what it was, you can just say we had a great conversation about simplicity and purity, simplicity in my intentions, purity in my affections. It was a great conversation. Great. That's wonderful. I like to hear that. But hopefully this will be beneficial and it will give you much to think about. I, I, oh. I, I hate, I don't want to stop here. But then everything tells me this is the right place to stop. It, this really is. Because if I move forward, yeah, this is the right place to stop. Not only that, I got to get everything ready 
uh, for, well, well, for our evening service. We're, we're doing uh, the Lord's uh, Supper tonight. So um, we'll be doing that. And then I've got to make sure I'm, everything's ready for my sermon on Luke chapter 2. So I'll stop right there. Have a wonderful Christmas Eve if you're listening live. Have a wonderful Christmas whenever you hear this. And if you did not hear this <laughs> till sometime after the new year, well, thank you for catching up. I greatly appreciate it. Now, give a much thought to simplicity and intention and purity and affection as you, if you're already in 2022, as you're in the early parts of 2022. All right, love to get your thoughts and feedback on all of this. And uh, you can email me newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. If you want an assignment, what scriptures would you write down that would kind of support the idea of simplicity and intention and purity and affection? I, I think we can say love, not the world. There's a purity and affection, right? Which, which I, think, I think we could put that down. But you, you just give me, if you want to, if you want to participate, give me scriptures that you think support the idea of simplicity and intention and purity and affection. And I would love to see what scriptures you come up with, right? All right, I'm going to close the book. going to tell Thomas Akempis that, you know, he's, he's free to stick around for the church service. Um, and, well, we'll, we'll be uh, visiting Thomas Akempis again soon. Hopefully you found that to be beneficial. All right, everyone have a great evening, a great Christmas, and uh, hopefully this will give you much to meditate on. Thanks for listening. God bless.